It's Nate Burleson. I'm holding it down this week for the R&B podcast. Let's go! never gets old. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the R&B Podcast. Props to Shaw Infinite for the dope intro. Check them out on SoundCloud and Instagram. This is the R&B Podcast, the show with sports talk, life lessons, music from at Producer TD. We got no Mike Rob today. Shout out to Mike. He's at home. I'm holding down the fort. He'll be back next week. In San Francisco during our live Super Bowl festivities. So, joining us today is a very special guest. For behind the scenes, the incredibly talented senior producer from NFL Total Access, Miss Shanika Dabney Henderson, or as I like to call her, or we'll start calling her now, SDH. <laughs> What's going on, SDH? Welcome to the R&B Podcast. Oh, wow. SDH. This uh, is a movement official. that you helped create. I played a little role. A little? I played a little role. See, we already anticipated the humble approach. <laughs> uh, for everybody listening, this isn't a humble role that she's trying to play down. She is a big part of what we do here. Um, obviously, you know, NFL Total Access, she always has her fingers and her hands in that. R&B podcast, the R&B hotline. Um, you're going to play humble most of the time here today, but I'm not going to let you. But before we get to that, coming up on today's show, I got to tell the people what they can expect. We have a Super Bowl preview, obviously. The R&B hotline. R&B hotline. Which is uh, one, trademark. Of your, one of your doings. Branded. Right. Okay. I can respect that. TM. Facts. <laughs> TM. <laughs> trademark that. <laughs> Um, and later we're going to play back an interview from the one and only Bow Wow. Uh, it's a video on YouTube, uh, but you guys might not have heard it, so we're going to play it back at the back end of this show. Before I get to that, i got to do my quick PSA. Please make sure you keep supporting us, our YouTube videos. Subscribe, comment on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, before we get to our Super Bowl talk and our R&B hotline this week, SDH. Yo. Is there a subject that you would like to touch on? Because I feel like there is. Before we get into all that, how about we just, you know, do a little, allow her to introduce herself, you know? Like, I know you, I know you have a career. You have a great career up <laughs> until this point. Yeah, uh-huh. of course. It's right here. But, you know, introduce yourself to the people. All right. So, I'm um, Shanika da- SDH. Just forget all that other gibberish. Right. Right. That's too long. <laughs> I'm SDH. Um, senior producer on Total Access. Mm-hmm. Uh, But the story of what kind of got me here is what's interesting. And it's kind of my lifelong love-hate relationship with the game of football. Oh, man. Uh, From New Orleans. Okay. Born and raised. Okay. Saints fan. Mm. And as you might imagine, that comes with a lot of drama. Yeah. A lot of emotion. For sure. A lot of pain. Ups and downs. There's been some ups and downs. Peaks and valleys. A lot of downs. (laughs) A lot of downs. (laughs) And I'm the third of three girls. My dad realized all girls. it's not going to happen. This is going to have to be my boy. So you're the baby. I'm the three. baby okay. of three. And I had to be the boy. So he lightweight was hoping that it was last one. Let's, let's keep it real, real. I was an accident, okay? <laughs> I was like, oh, we just got back from a trip to Houston, and <laughs> this happened. Maybe it'll be a boy. Okay. That didn't right. happen. Okay. So I had the task of watching my Saints play with my dad mm. and seeing what he was going through, and it sucked me into this game. Mm. It's a beautiful game. It really <laughs> There are so many levels to football, I, I, and, and I've witnessed it mm. on so many different levels of right. how it can take you from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows just as a fan. Mm. 
And I remember getting older, still being in love with the game, understanding it more. My team would lose. I'd go to the club. I'd be upset. Mm. And the players would be like, you know, they're popping bottles. They're dancing. And I'm depressed. Uh. You lost the game. Mm. Why am I mad? Mm. But that's kind of how it is. As a fan, as you you invest a lot into it. You know, the right. players, of course, you guys invest your time. You invest right. your bodies. Right. But as fans, we invest in that, too. And, and, and I think a lot of people underestimate the passion of the fan. The tears shed. Now, before you keep going, so me, I was the type of guy, after I lost the game, I would fall into a lightweight depression. I would just mm. sit in my room. Okay. And all the emotions you felt as a fan, like, that's what I would feel like. So I didn't want to be seen, heard from, or I talked to that. until we won again, right? Mm. Because that was the whole point. But I, I wanted to kind of hit on what you just said. As a fan, when you saw that, like when you saw guys uh-huh. out and about mm-hmm. acting as if they literally didn't care. Uh-huh. Um, how did that end? Oh, they got approached really? by me in the club. Really? Like, they thought I was coming over about to get my groupie <laughs> on, you know? Holla. Yeah, like, what's up, boy? I was like, hold up. So, okay, it's third and five. You know it's coming to you. Mm. You're not lined up properly on the line, mm. right? You're not running the right route. Mm. You don't allow yourself to get open. You, I know it's coming to you, so I know you know it's coming. And they're like... Wait a minute, boo. Wait, like, whoa, 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 whoa. I remember talking to a quarterback. I won't name him, although I really want to. Who um, you can if you want. I really Mike Robb want would. to. Don't worry about it. No, don't, don't worry. Mike Robb would. Yeah, but he's Mike probably got a little more you're right, you're clout right, you're right. than I That's do true. in that in that realm. That's true. I remember him telling me something like, um, hold up, hold up. Why are you roughing the passer? Like, he started using all these football cliches. Really? It was the most painful conversation I think I've ever really? had in my life. Yeah, because he was still trying to, like, kind of get his holler on. And I'm like, but, dude, I'm not talking to you from, like, a potential boo oh perspective. Oh, gosh. This is from an angry fan. You're trying to hit you to with you. the cliches? Yeah. Oh, man. And then, and, and then hold up. And then a friend of mine who was a male friend came over, and he's like, whoa, whoa. Too many men on the field. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> Those are words that came out. I wish, out I of wish, his I was there mouth. for this conversation. Like, would you have punched him in the face I, the I, way I, I, I wanted to? I would have thrown yeah. the flag on the field. Like, <laughs> the cliche is yes, going yes. Um, unnecessary talking. Exactly. Yeah. You know what's crazy is that most fans feel that way though. Like, yeah. even even to the extreme that like, if a player tweets out something after a game and they lose. They're like, oh, what are you doing talking about your dinner? Or, or what are you doing hanging out with your family? Like, shouldn't you be as mad as I am? And I, I think for the majority, guys are. But then there, I'll keep it real with you. There is a group of individuals, I would say 20% of guys that they don't care. Like, it, it's just a win or a loss. That's it. They don't even live in the city mm-hmm. that they work in. They just collect a check. And then after they collect the check and after the season ends, they go right back to where they're from. So the attachment to the emotions that you as a fan feel, most guys don't. But I just feel like it's work. Listen, if I put on a bad show, I'm going to go home and it's going to sit with me. 100%. You know, it's I'm going to stew in it for a little bit because I have pride in what I do. Right. And so I feel like that should transfer. Listen, fans take it too far a lot of times. A lot of times fans take it too far. But I think that players don't always understand there is an emotional investment. And it's easy to discount a fan perspective and be like, well, look, I'm the one on the field. I'm the one doing it. But I'm the one who's all investing in this team. Fans keep the team going. Emotionally, financially, energy, everything. Yes. 100%. So obviously um, you being a female and there being a rising uh, female demographic in this game, and it seems like it's getting bigger and bigger every year. Now, you grew up in it. Like, you watch your pops, right. like, you know, toil over wins and losses and heartaches, and you, you've you seen his emotions change. If the Saints won, I'm pretty sure he was just a little bit Hold nicer. Oh, that, that Want to get some ice cream? Let's go to the right. park. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and if he lost, it was kind of like he's in a funk. So, um, you, you came in it different. So, I, talk about – like the female who grew up in it, who you know some might label as a tomboy, and then talk about the female who just 
want something to do. They're just buying the jersey because it's the popular choice. Right. I think there's room for both. Yeah. And I think it's unfair when people get upset about women wearing, you know, cute stuff to a game. You can do that if you right. want to do that. There are the women who are into the stats and they're watching the highlights and they are taking this game from a very serious viewpoint. There are women who are casual fans, as there are men who are casual fans. And so I don't think women should feel a need to put themselves into a certain box to be counted as fans. I started a blog in 2007 strictly for female fans, and it was interesting to me the different types of women who were drawn to this blog. Some of them very casual watchers and they would watch the game because their husband or their boyfriend was into it. And there were some who were, I mean, they would rip you to shreds on Mm. stats and Mm. on this play, that play. Mm. There are so many. And I think it's great that the league is finally starting to embrace all of these women. Right. I would love if there was a even bigger, and I think that's coming approach to the female fan than merchandising and targeting them with jerseys and so forth but actually embracing them as fans of the game and as people who know their stuff and who are into it on not just a surface level. Right. Because those women are there, and they're there in huge numbers. We Women make up now almost 50% of the league's fan base. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. And, and, and to stay, take it a step further, now we're seeing – women being involved in not just operations behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. on the field. On the you field. got the Bills, um, you know, organization who hired, was it Kath- Catherine, Catherine Smith. Smith, right? First female full-time assistant coach. She's a special teams quality special control. Quality coach. control. Quality control. And uh, so as a female, wh- how do you feel about that? Because I- I'll talk on a, on a couple of basis because I, I hear fans and I, and I like to listen to them because I think it's funny sometimes they're spot on and sometimes as you know they can be over exaggerated in their argument and male fans will say well she never played the game so why is she coaching and these are fans that never played the game so yeah. I'm thinking how could you say that and then there's guys that say well if she has the knowledge and if you look at her resume she's been with organizations previous to this, and she worked with Rex Ryan, if if I'm not mistaken, previous to this. So she knows football operations probably better than most fans do, male or female. So um, talk about her being hired and, I guess, the perception that, you know, people are approaching that situation. I, I think that, listen, football is – it's going to follow the same path as life. Women have to kind of prove themselves in right. – different regards it doesn't have to be a sport you can be working your way up in the Clorox industry and you have to prove yourself on a different level and so you know football is just a microcosm of the world that we live in so women are a a part of that minority base that's always going to have to I notice it just being behind the scenes in sports that there are those moments where people feel a need to sideways be quizzing you on your Mm. knowledge to make Mm. sure that you're up on your game Mm. or you have to prove you've got to go a little bit further than maybe some of your male counterparts where it may be taken for granted. This dude doesn't really know that much, but because (laughs) he's a guy, he's going to be given a certain amount of credit. Camouflage himself. Exactly. Within the male demographic. And I see it all the time. There would be a group of individuals, all guys, and there's usually like, if it's 10 of us, there's usually two or three guys that are just there. Mm-hmm. They're just there because they want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Because their peers pressured them into coming to the game, and they don't care. They don't even know who they're watching, guys on the team, what division they're in. So it's funny to me because as a player, um, we don't have prejudice because I feel like if you're showing up to support me for the strongest reason or the weakest reason, all I see is your support. Right. I don't try to dive into why you're there. Um, I try to give you a show because you're there. There's room for everybody. So I don't know why there has to be, you know, and especially behind the scenes and what we see happening with coaching. What I'm really hoping is that we get to a point where women being behind the scenes in football is not a story. That would be awesome because that means it is now so normal right. and so embraced and so accepted it's shrug, you know. Yeah. It's just another day in the NFL. Other notable coaches that once held the job that Catherine Smith now has: John Gruden, Eric Mangini, Tony Sperano, and Todd Haley. Wow. Which is important to note for the people who kind of like shrug this off as right. she's getting thrown some, you know. Yeah. yeah well, it's not some really a coaching yeah, job. Lightweight title, right? Yeah. It's facts. And uh, um, San Antonio Spurs coach 
there's a female on the staff in the NBA. So this isn't like out of the norm for sports in general. So uh, it's it's I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for the sure. sport, especially when you say that the female fan base makes up almost 50%. Yeah. That is a mind-blowing number. It's mind it was it was like 43% 10 years ago and every year a percentage just keeps adding and adding and adding and and in terms of Super Bowl viewership it's half and half. I mean women are right there watching it as much as men are. That is awesome. All right, now TD, usually you have a beat for me and Mike, but today you don't have a beat. You got a question. So uh- I'm thinking content here. We got a super duper producer in the house, so I want to know biggest storyline heading into Super Bowl Fifty: Peyton potentially ending his all-time career with a Super Bowl, Mm. or Cam Newton breaking the mold and winning his first. I mean, obviously Cam is unlike any other quarterback we've ever seen in Super Bowl. He's not shy about it. You've seen his new Beats commercial; it's kind of hot. So, what's what would be the biggest storyline for the NFL for sports in general? It's got to be Peyton. Really? For me, it's got to be Peyton. Wow. And I think that it has to do with, um, listen, Peyton has this opportunity to end his career in this storybook fashion. Mm. Cam Newton, we haven't even begun to see what this guy is going to accomplish in the league. And so, while, listen, if he wins, I think it would be awesome. And I think – you know, particularly, I, and I've seen this a lot, and I agree that I think for someone who breaks the mold, the quarterback mold in the way that he does, he's not afraid to be confident. He's not afraid to dab on him whenever right. he wants to. I think that's great that he can be himself. He's a black quarterback. He's a young quarterback. For him to be able to accomplish something like this would be huge. Mm. At the same time, the drama of the NFL. Right. The Peyton legacy, this Peyton storyline that we've all been following, benched, come back, lead your team to us. I mean, come on. This is like a movie. Yeah, it is. It's like a movie. It is like a movie. And and I I feel you on that when it comes to Peyton Manning. Like every player would love to write their own ending. You know, it it is storybook. It's the classic, all right, I'm going to ride off into the sunset with the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy, and possibly the MVP, pat me on the back, I retire. And and that is what every legend would love to do. But at the same time, when you look at Cam Newton and what he did this year, it's almost like you want him to be rewarded for his efforts. Like Peyton Manning, he leads the league in touchdowns during the season and postseason at 61, and that was in 2013. Cam Newton is already number 10 on that list with 50. So the effort in which he put in 38 passes for TDs and 12 rushing TDs, I don't think there's been a guy that has put a team on his back in such a way that Cam has done it. So Cam's already a star. I guess you would almost say he's a superstar because he has a whole generation of white, black, Asian, Arab, Kids dabbing, swagging. Yep. He, he's brought a different element to the fan base, to the youth. So for me, if he wins this, he goes into a whole different category. And I don't even know what's past superstardom, but you're talking that category of, you know, Jordan, where, you know, this generation, they're going to respect Cam for something other than being just a really good regular season quarterback. If he wins, this separates him from – not only his peers, but even the legends. You know what I mean? Like Peyton has was it one Super Bowl, right? That is correct. Yes, he's so, one into and, and Russell Bowl. Wilson has one Super Bowl. That is right. Cam wins this Super Bowl. He's in the conversation already. But he's also a different type of quarterback too. He's a different type of quarterback, and, and I think it could be argued he's in the conversation whether he wins or loses because of the type of season that he's had and because of the way he has carried his team. If the Panthers weren't to win this Super Bowl, I think he is still in that conversation of elite quarterback. Mm. The way he runs the ball, the way he throws the ball, the way he makes these wide receivers who, you know, generally aren't going to be regarded as top tier wide receivers look like it. There's definitely like an on-field aspect to this. There's also a cultural off-field aspect to this. I mean, because of Cam, especially if he goes on to win the Super Bowl, the next LeBron James might end up playing quarterback. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like that's that. I mean, that's a whole next generation of like if you were six six, two fifty before, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna play small forward, and now it's like, man, I could be Cam Newton. 
Right. So there's a. I mean, but I do respect though, the pagan legend. The pagan is the best football in mind I've ever seen in my generation, my lifetime. There is a nice storybook ending to that, but there's a storybook ending to it, and there's that. Listen. Peyton got his ring, but you know what everybody says about Peyton. Even with that one, he just got that one ring. Eli got two rings. Right. Oh, he don't show up in the big games. Right. Oh, he didn't lost this many. I mean, there is something bigger there with Peyton. And like I said, Cam, like we are just seeing We're the just scratching of this the guy. We are just He's not scratching. going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. But, you know, it's, it's a good point that TD brings up because – you got a, a new generation of athletes that are coming in, and say you are six five and you're two forty, and your coach says, "Hey, what do you want to focus on?" Instead of a guy automatically thinking, "Well, I'm going to play small forward or power forward in high school," or "I'm going to play DN and rush the quarterback," this young athlete, regardless the, of the color of his skin, is saying, "You know what? I, I want to play quarterback. I can throw the ball." I'm athletic. I'm good with my feet. I have skills. I can see the field. So now I could dab on them. I can, I can <laughs> dab on them. So for me, that's that's going to be interesting to see. Like over the next ten to fifteen years, is the impact of Cam changing the game? Because we've seen this before. We've seen Randall Cunningham come in and change the game. Warren Moon, you know, tall, athletic, black quarterbacks, and then Mike Vick came in and just torched this league. I mean, undersized quarterback who was unstoppable. Now Cam is doing that six inches taller and 50 pounds heavier, Mm -hmm. which for a generation of young athletes really puts not only the kid in a position to make a really crucial decision, but as a parent. For me, I have 11-year-old, little Nate, who is – he is a phenomenal athlete. Just this past weekend – he starts off the game. He's snatching balls. He's playing flag football. He's jumping over dudes. He's looking at the ref talking about, I got P.I. And I'm thinking to myself, man, at 11 years old, I wish I had his skill set. My wife ran track. I play football, so the genetic code is firing. And he's electric, like mm-hmm. fast, and he gets it. Then I have my 9-year-old who is almost as tall. Nehemiah is almost as tall as him. And he's 25 pounds heavier. Wow. This boy eats like there is no stopping. <laughs> I don't want to see that his, grocery oh, bill. He, he, he and I, and I, you know, they they battle each other. And Nate has the big brother kind of complex over him. But I, I whispered to Nehemiah like, "Hey, you know, you're bigger than him. Like you, you can you can mm-hmm. fight back." And I, I try to create this like sibling rivalry that I had growing up with four boys. And I'm thinking to myself, Nate could grow easily to be six two, six three, right, and yeah. be a very dynamic DB or wide receiver. Nehemiah, genetically, just looking at his growth right now, he could be 6'5", 6'6". So when he was first born, I'm like, he's a big kid. Maybe he's going to be a tight end. And to your point, TD, I'm looking at my son now and thinking, I want him to play quarterback. I want Nehemiah to be a sophomore throwing to his big brother as a senior at wide receiver because of how tall he is in his skill set. And Nehemiah plays flag football. He's played three weeks in a row. He has three interceptions and two of them to the house. So for how big he is, he's athletic. And because I've watched Cam Newton and even Russell Wilson and this new generation of the new athletic dual quarterback, even as a football father, I've changed my view on what I want my son to be. Don't you think, though, beyond the – because I feel like there are parents and there are kids, young athletes, who thought they could be quarterback – but from a scouting and coaching perspective, people didn't really think they fit into that quarterback mold and that what Cam will do will help the folks who are making these decisions to bring kids and see them as mm. a potential quarterback in a way that they wouldn't have. Mm. When you look at some of these players who maybe they play quarterback all through high school and then they get to college and they get put into a different position because they don't fit that quarterback mold. Right. Now when you have the success of people like Cam, these guys are going to get a second look and get an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have. And that's huge, and I think that's going to happen – Regardless of what happens in the Super Bowl, mm. Cam has already left his mark on right. this league. That's facts. He's already left his mark on this. There's yeah. nothing that he can do at this point that will take away what he's already contributed. And so. like you said, he is just getting started. He's just getting started. So we obviously have to say goodbye to you because you're a busy woman. I, I see you everywhere. I, I feel like I'm busy, but you're constantly here <laughs> at the network. <laughs> so respect. We do have to say bye, but uh, could you possibly stay just quickly for R&B for sure. Hotline? For quick? sure, yeah. So obviously this is one of your babies, and it's a huge part of the show, and I absolutely love it. So, um, TD, we, we got somebody calling in? 
up, Mike? What's up, Nate? This is Shaw. Straight out of D.C., you know what I mean? I'm actually on this show's theme song. Yeah. <laughs> Big up for the shout-out. Big up for rocking with me. My first question is, do players care about the Pro Bowl anymore? Are NFL players really striving to get into the Pro Bowl? Are NBA players are really striving to get into the All-Star game? First of all, uh, respect to you guys behind the glass. <laughs> he said, "I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on the th- show theme song." You hear? Yeah, I, I like that. I can't. Say that was it. a little D'Angelo touch I, right there. I like. Okay, th- let's get uh, let's get Shanika's uh, thoughts real quick yeah, before we'll, she has we'll to leave. We'll get her t- thoughts on the Pro Bowl. What do you, as a fan, um, and I hate saying the fan because it it sounds so fan, but like as somebody that loves the game. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about what the Pro Bowl was and what it is now before we let you go? Man, it's interesting. It's interesting because the Pro Bowl, you know, I think for one that it's helped that they moved it to come in between, you know, play out the AFC NFC championship game and the Super Bowl instead of it being after. Because I think after the Super Bowl, a lot of people just sort of check out. Right. You know, either right. you're mad about what happened, you, right. you know, you're a little salty or you're That's still right. riding your high. So I think that that has helped with with that said, though, if you want to see the best of the best, which is what the Pro Bowl is supposed to be, right. but the best of the best is playing in the Super Bowl and you can't see them, you know what I mean? It's tough. It's, it's, tough. it's tough. So you're automatically thinking that I'm not watching that. <laughs> that <laughs> that's that's kind, what I mean, in so many, in the most political way possible. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is there any way that you think the league can fix that? I mean, I think, you know what I think has helped? What they've done is they've made it more theater mm. by having this draft, right. drafting the play. I mean, I remember watching that at home and just falling over laughing. For one, I felt like, like my feelings were kind of hurt for the people who got dra- drafted last and you're <laughs> sitting in that little tent. It's the last kid you know, yeah, in the like, They're fanning themselves. They're looking for <laughs> snacks, like scourging. I mean, that... I felt some type of way about right. it for them. But you were watching it. But though. I was watching it. And so I think, like I said, theatrics. I think that element of drama, the theatrics of it, that that's helped well, for sure. That's what's up. Well, SDH, I appreciate you joining me. Um, thank you for being hands-on. And this is – I'm going into my second year, and obviously I, I do a few things here at the network, and you've always been there, especially as soon as you joined on here. So thank you, one, for that, and thank you for joining the show and helping of us grow. Of course. Thank you. And thank you to – well, Mike's not here, but thanks yeah. to Mike. You guys, what you have done and how you guys have taken over this – it's more than when we were just talking about it in a meeting it's more than we ever thought it would could it's, be. It's you guys have just effort. branded it and made it your own thing. And um, yeah. I can't wait to see where this – I can't wait to be like, I knew him when. He won't oh, remember SDH. What you mean? He's like what, accepting. This is, is going to be a show and it's going to be a movie. <laughs> he's accepting you're gonna be, his award. You're going to be there. You're you gonna know what I mean? It's going to – Oscar's so Burleson. Oh, like, stop. I'm not going to get invited. Stop but it's all good. Playing. It's all This is good. it. This is the crew right here. This is the <laughs> gang. This is the R&B gang. I have it on tape, yeah. so. <laughs> All right, thanks All right, again. thanks, Nate. That's what's up. Shanika joining us, spitting knowledge about the fan base in New Orleans. Once again, huge thanks to Shanika, a.k.a. SDH, for joining us. Uh, it, was, it was really refreshing to get her perspective, not only as a producer, a super producer, um, but as a, a female fan who's been watching and uh, staying close to this sport since she was a child. Love hearing that. So let's get back to this Pro Bowl question from Sha in D.C. My man, Mr. Theme Song. He was asking if the Pro Bowl is something that players are excited about and are they striving for. I'll say this. One, yes, every player wants to make it to the Pro Bowl. Without a doubt, even if they don't go, they want that nod. They want to have that title, um, that invitation, if you will. So not only do they have that on their resume, but other players in the league, they get to see that. Their peers get to see that. What I've seen as of lately, and you know, I was talking to LaDainian Thomason yesterday, and we were just talking about the Pro Bowl and kind of how it's changed and that you get so many alternates that joined the game late, it doesn't seem like the original players, just like Shanika was saying, the superstars um, don't have that opportunity. So when you look at the NBA, the NBA All-Star game is a who's who 
of who's lighting the league up. It comes in the middle of the season. They promote it heavy. We always know what city it's in. There's always a buzz about it. And you look at this game and you sit there and you watch. And leading up to it, you got the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the skills contest. And then you have the game. And without a doubt, it's the best players. By far, it's the best players. If your favorite player or the best player isn't playing the game, it's because he's injured. Because of the Super Bowl format and the Pro Bowl format, there's guys that have to say, no, I can't join this game. So then as a fan, you're thinking, well, I wanted to see Cam Newton. More than anything, I think people are like, well, you know, I love Peyton Manning. I would, I would have loved to have seen him. I would have loved to have seen Cam Newton, Josh Norman. With their energy and, and, and Keekly, the way that he's playing, and Thomas Davis, all these individuals, I think it, the Panthers have 10 Pro Bowlers. So you're basically taking 10 guys, and they're all saying, we can't do it because we have better things to do, which is fine. You know, they have the Super Bowl, and kudos to them, and they definitely uh, have to focus on that. But as a fan, you're thinking, okay, well, these replacements, quote-unquote, might not be the guys that I wanted to see. So that might pull you from watching the game intently. That might stop you. There's a tremendous fan base. Maybe, you know, all of North Carolina who might check out from watching this game because all of their favorite players are playing in the Super Bowl and not in the Pro Bowl. Now on the flip side of the coin, I have to say this. As I'm getting notifications on my phone of the guys that are making the Pro Bowl, Richie Incognito, Bridgewater, all these different individuals that were alternates and get that nod and get that call, I can appreciate that because I was once an alternate. One year I led the league in punt returns, and I thought, oh, there's no doubt. I'm one of the best returners in the NFC. I'm killing these dudes in Seattle. Literally felt unstoppable. I think I had three returns that year. But it just so happens that Devin Hester was in the NFC in Chicago getting busy. Like, Living legend, De- Devin Hester. Man, I'm looking at this dude like, bro, chill out. Like, <laughs> I get a return, he get a return. I get a return, he get two returns. So when the season ended – they're like, well, Nate, yeah, we're going to have to give you this alternate nod because uh, Devin Hester, he had an unbelievable year. What I do? I tip my hat off to him. I said I appreciate it. So as an alternate, yeah, I would have loved to have got that nod. I would have loved to have went out to Hawaii and, and showed my family a good time and did my thing as a returner. But it didn't happen. So I can see fans' perspective and saying, like, well, my favorite players aren't always in this game, so I don't want to watch it. And then I can see the players' perspective of who who cares who's actually playing in the Pro Bowl compared to who's playing in the Super Bowl, it's still an amazing event, you know, with the draft and having Irv and Carter and having, you know, the energy. It still matters to the players. 100%. Does it matter to the players? Yes. We care about it. If you don't play in it, we want the nod. If you're an alternate, you're waiting for the guy who's in front of you to make it as far as possible, or even injuries like Carson Palmer. Carson's like, man, you know, I'm – I got to let this finger heal up. I don't, I'm not going to go out there. Aaron Rodgers always misses that. it. Yeah. There was a year where Randy Moss didn't get the nod. And I played with Randy in Minnesota. And I remember him just lighting the league up. It might have been 03 or 04. And he got the nod. And I'm like, yo, you know, I'm still a little fanboy. I'm like, yo, Randy, hey, what's up, man? You going to the Pro Bowl, buddy? And he just kind of looked at me like, nah. They did me wrong one year. So I'm not going to go out there and help promote this game when you guys shafted me. And I thought, like, man, that is the boldest thing ever. Like, this is the most gangster decision, like, any superstars make. Because from a young guy's perspective, I'm like, the Pro Bowl is it. If we're not in the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl is the bee's knees. And Randy's like, nah, they robbed me one year. So why would I even – there you go. He had 10 touchdowns, yeah, and that was the touchdowns. first time he didn't make the Pro Bowl. That was the first time he didn't make the Pro Bowl. And after that, he was super hesitant about going to the Pro Bowl. And I thought, man, that's crazy. You want to talk about a man standing on what he believes in. Like, that right there blew me away. It was one of the many moments in my career playing next to Randy Moss where my level of respect just grew and grew. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, to answer that in the longest way possible, 
all players care about the Pro Bowl. He played I, all 16 games, by the way. All 16 games, 82 catches, over 1,200 yards. Dumb numbers. 10 touchdowns and didn't make the Pro Bowl. Didn't make the Pro Bowl. And then he, he got voted in. And he was like, I'm not going. How gangster is that? He didn't care. Randy was like, no, nah, I'm about to chill. I'm about to go back home to VA, and I'm about to fish and relax. <laughs> and we got Randy on, man. We got to get Randy on. I actually talked to him, man. I told him we got to get him on. He's over at Fox. But shout out to Randy Moss, man, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, so, yeah, that that's, that's our show today, TD. Yes, sir. We yes, had sir. a quick show. Mike Robb hit me up yesterday and said, hey, bro, I'm not going to be able to make it in town. I got to get some things checked out. Um, my man said he's having migraines. And I said, Mike Rob, get that checked out. My exact words was, I love you, and I'm going to hold down the fort. He responded back, I appreciate it. I love you too. And then he said this, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it. He said, uh, I don't think people understand what we put ourselves through and the impact that has on us after football. That's this is right deep. before I went on to Total Access. <clears throat> and I said, man, you're right. They don't understand. And if I have a chance to tell them a little bit, then I'll tell them. So uh, for those who are listening, uh, hit Mike Robb up on Twitter, man. Shoot him some love. My man's getting his migraines checked out. Um, you got to understand, man, Mike Robb, he played uh, differently than I did. I was a receiver. So I was on the outside avoiding guys. Mike Robb, he didn't have the choice to avoid anybody. So he was a banger. So you got to always hope and pray that Mike Robb is – is uh, healthy just like you got to hope and pray that I'm healthy just like you got to hope and pray every single player that played this game remains healthy after they're done playing. Shout out to Mike Robb. He did play quarterback, though. He did play yeah. quarterback. Yeah, he, Penn State gave him some love on Twitter this uh, this weekend. Oh, they did. Know? They yeah. showed a little love. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Shout out to Mike Robb, man, my guy. The other half of this R&B thing. It's R&B without the R today. That That's true. It's just the B. Um, always. Send us your questions, your thoughts, your ideas. Hashtag R-A-N-D-B. I'm at Nate 13 Burleson. My man who ain't here is at Real Mike Rob. Also, send us your music. Hey, so listen, a couple things. You got to check out Mike Stud, okay? We got to check out Wisdom, who is my man back home in Seattle, who's creating a track for the show. So check out Wisdom. That's with a, a W-I-Z-D-O-M, hip-hop head. Um, and then... Hitman Holla, who's from St. Louis, battle rapper, who's on uh, Wildin' Out. He works out here in L.A. for the show. That's my man. So these are the guys I need to get on the show. Mike Studd and Hitman Holla work out here in L.A. They want to come on. Mike Studd was an All-American baseball player that went to Duke, and he went into hip-hop. He made a song for his team, and after that he fell in love with it, and obviously he, he has a tremendous career. So shout-out to him. We're going to get him on. Hitman Holla, battle scene is crazy. I'm a big battle rap fan and he works for Wild and Out so maybe we can get him to come through and possibly a couple of Wild and Out girls to uh, <laughs> TD laughing look at you laughing I'm with it seat. though I'm look with it, it. <laughs> look at like yep golf clap to that golf clap to that um, but I, I talked to him yesterday so he, he definitely wants to come on he said whenever uh, so you know I'll leave that to y'all to make that happen uh, but also send us your music your beats uh, remember holla at, at producer TD and hit him up for the R&B hotline. Reach out to him. He'll walk you through it. Let your voice be heard, um, and we will respond We had a few more R&B hotline questions. We're not able to get to it today, obviously, with uh, Mike Robb being out. Some of them were addressed to Mike Robb, so okay. we'll get them in the future, though. For All right, sure. cool. Well, shout out, shout out to the R&B hotline questions that we didn't get to. And now, as promised, here is my one-on-one interview with none other than Bow Wow. My man's talking sports, he's talking money, he's talking transition from hip-hop to music to acting. Um, he's talking Odell Beckham, how that's his boy. It's crazy how celebs always got super celeb friends. Um, it's a super duper tight-knit community. He's talking Ravens, acting, music, and more. So uh, listen up, you will thoroughly enjoy this. Uh, here is me talking to Bow Wow. Huh. I like that. I know we got another beat coming up later. <laughs> yeah. Said he got bars. I do. I got bars. Said he got bars. I, got bars. <laughs> I appreciate that, TD. <laughs> so we're here. We're here yeah. right now. We're joined. Yeah. With the presence 
Uh, I'm gonna say I'm I'm a hip hop fan, bro. So, uh, I'm gonna say a living legend in hip hop. Now, there's there's a lot of them. You oh, know, just God. like you know, there's tons. But um, Bow Wow, the yes, world sir. famous Bow Wow, Shad Moss. Yes, I'm gonna sir. say Bow Wow for the fans who know. Oh yeah, for sure. By that, too. but uh, Shad Moss, the yeah. actor. That's the actor side. That's the actor That's side. Mr. CSI. That's right. the government side. Yes, sir. That's Brody Nelson side. Yeah, exactly. Hey, exactly. Cyber. You I, already I know. CSI you already know. I can dig it. So we're joined with your presence. I appreciate you joining me. Nah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Right out the gate. Um, I'm Nate Burleson. We're here. We're doing this live. It's an honor. You know, you just walked in, but I didn't really have time to talk to you. Right. I'm a hip-hop fan, bro. And um, I've been following my whole career. I'm 34. So, okay. you know, I, I grew up in the culture. I live it. I breathe it. So right out the gate, I want to know, just mm -hmm. as a, a fan of, of your career, mm -hmm. when did you actually get started? Like, yeah. I, I want to know, like, the actual foundation. Okay. When was the start? Before the music? Okay. Because there's rumors that you was four, five, six yep. years old. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some truth to that rumor, what you heard. I was five years old. Um, that's when I, I, I kind of found the love for it. You yeah. know, it actually is kind of funny. I started out with comedy first. It was comedy. Word. That I, yeah, it was it was joking around and telling jokes to, you know, my mom's friends and before they would go out to, you know, enjoy their night or whatever. And then it just, you know, ventured off into music. Then the first album I ever had was N.W.A. You know, my mom is young, so um, just playing a lot of music around the house. And yeah. that's kind of how it happened. I learned how to put words together and, you know, repeat these words that I was saying, although it was probably words I shouldn't have been repeating at the time. Facts. But, uh, but yeah, I just it just came to me naturally. Then I just picked up on it. It was something that was just, you know, second nature. And it, ha it all happened at five. And then that's when Snoop discovered me. Snoop and Dre discovered me around, like, age six. Mm. And then uh, I never looked back after that. So from six up until now, I'm 28. Be 29 in March. I haven't looked back. Snoop and Dre? Yeah, Snoop and Dre. Yeah, they Dre was, was involved? Yeah, Because yeah. everybody knows Snoop was kind of the big homie. Exactly, right. always. But Dre yeah. was there? Dre was the there. early? Yeah, this was 93. I got a picture um, that I could show you, actually, on yeah. my phone. I was six years old, and standing on each side was Dre right here. I had Snoop right here, a wow. young Snoop, an 18-year-old Snoop. Wow. And we had a Dr. Dre right here with me in the middle, and that's what started the whole, you know. You talk about legends in yeah. hip hop. Yeah. That's what's up, man. All yeah. right, well, you, you talked about Snoop. I, I got a ton of stuff I'm gonna ask you, so okay. uh, just get prepared for it. For sure. You talk about Snoop. I played with Randy Moss. I got drafted to the Minnesota Vikings. I mm -hmm. played three years there. Randy Moss was a living legend to me. Oh you yeah. Know, he, I was a huge fan. He was one of the best to ever do, and that was a big homie. Still is yeah. the big homie. Right. And he was the one that kind of taught me how to be a pro. Taught me how to make this money. Taught me how to brand myself. Mm -hmm. um, and you had Snoop in your corner. Correct. Living legend at the time. Correct. Correct. And then still a living legend. Correct. Talk about the influence that Snoop has had mm -hmm. on your career and how important he was. Yeah. He had a lot of influence um, into my career. And, you know, he's always given me wisdom. You're uh. talking about a guy who, who's been through it all. You yeah. know, yeah. been through it all. Ups, downs. Been on one of the, the biggest, notorious record labels of all time. Lived through real, real hard times, real era of hip-hop. Right, right. And, um, and not just in the business. This this is a guy that calls me, and we talk about life. Uh -huh. you know, we kick game about everything. Yeah. You know, it's more to it than just the business or the music. That's going to always be there. But it's the lifely stuff that mm. really matter, the game mm. that he kicked me. If it's about women, if it's about, you know, um, me keeping my head up. Mm. Or, you know, just regular little things that a big homie supposed to do. Um, you know, to lead his little homie in the right direction. Because right. like I said, he's been here, he's seen it all, he's done it all. So yeah. it's kind of like just leading me into that right direction and giving me that wisdom that I need. And actually, Snoop is one of the best people in the game to go to for that wisdom because he just gives off that, that aura. You know yeah. what I mean? He's like, he's the OG. He just give off that you gotta aura. got to figure it out. He, he has it mastered. That's what's up. Mastered. I so. can dig it, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is a sports show, and we're going to weave in and out of hip-hop and sports. So we're going to jump right back into the NFL. So who's your Let's favorite team, dog? My team? Oh, man. I rock with the Ravens, you feel me? I've been rocking with the Ravens for quite some time. I used to, I used to, you know what I mean, go real hard for the Falcons because that's why I was raised in Atlanta yeah. my whole life. But, you know. Back in the Dirty Bird era. Yeah, well, then. Maul Anderson. Yeah, well, a little then. And then when Vic came. And Vic's your dog. That's the homie. Y'all got business together. Yeah, well, we did, actually. We did. We did. And, um. Good friend of mine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when, when Vic came, it was just, we had the most exciting dude at the time in football at that time playing in the, that in was the crazy. city. That was era incredible. was crazy. It was incredible. And then when he left, you know, it was just, you know, 
And right. it just it took the heart out of the city, and right. it really wasn't the same no more. So I just kind of found this new love with the Ravens, and you know T Suggs, you know Get Well, homie. That's one, of my, that's yeah. one of my partners right there. That's and one of my course, homies too. Sugar yeah. Ray, Ray Lewis. That's, yeah. that's family right there. Ray, Ray. He's taught me a lot of stuff too as well. And um, I just, you know, been But hold down. up, though, hold up. You, you from Ohio, though. Like, I don't rock with the Browns. <laughs> they were just going to throw it out yeah, there like that? I don't that. rock with the Browns. Uh, I respect the, the history with the Browns. Yeah. Um, of course, Jim Brown and, you know, going and going. But uh, the Bengals, yeah. I, I, I tried to rock with the Bengals because – I let I, you down, though. Yeah. They let everybody down. Yeah, they had opportunities, too. Right. And I love when, when Chad was out there turning up, going crazy with the celebrations. And Hoosh Mazzotta. Oh, yeah. man, it was, it, was, it was on. It was on. I, I was like, okay, let me – they're an hour and a half away from Columbus. Let me try to rock with them. And right. I just my heart wouldn't stick with them like that. Yeah. So that's most people though. But yeah. you, you you've been keeping an eye on 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 Cincinnati and on Cleveland like Johnny Manziel. I, I checked him out last Johnny, week. He looked good. He threw looked that good. bomb. He threw a, a threw that bomb right a over bomb. the top. Yeah, exactly. Then I saw Bill. Uh, was it Bill Parcells? Yeah, Bill Parcells had something to say. Yeah. Uh, about about <laughs> about Johnny, Johnny Manziel yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, he's definitely doing his thing. I feel like Cleveland need that though. Yeah. They need a spark. Ohio you know? need that. Yeah, yeah. Because they got you know they got. Brown, but on the football side, they needed something, you know. They needed, they needed something. something. So hopefully Johnny could be that for him. That's what's up, man. All right, so who's your favorite NFL player? At the moment, it's got to be the homie, man, uh, Odizzi. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's my partner. He dumb nice. Yeah, crazy. He dumb nice. Crazy. What what, what about his guy? I'm a receiver, bro, so I, yeah. you know, I, I got an affinity for guys that's really nice at the position. Yeah. And he's mastered it this early yeah, in his career. crazy. Um, what, what is it about his game that you like? I just think that he's um young, fast, elusive, yeah. quick. Yeah. Um, I told him last week, uh, week one, he caught a crazy pass. I don't even know how he caught it. Like, in between, like, two right. cats right there to put him at the goal line. And I'm like, dog, like, like the routes you run and how you, you know, get to, Eli, just get to him like that and the timing, how important fearless. timing is. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it is. And the acrobatic catches. He he tried to get Dallas again. I told him, I said, yeah. you try to get him again for that one hand that I saw you. He was like, I was <laughs> thinking. Slick and yeah, yeah, he, said, I was, he said, when I did it, I was thinking, I was thinking top ten the whole time. Hey. I, said, I know you probably was, but, yeah. yeah, that's my dude, man. That's my partner. Actually, we're represented by the same uh, by the same people that's what's uh, up. on the PR side. So uh, we had a chance to actually, you know, get a chance to do a lot of stuff together, work together, out, right. stuff outside of the field and outside of music that we had to collaborate with. And um, good dude, young guy. Yeah. And um, it's my partner, man. That's Hilarious. What's up. All right, so I, I remember uh, when you was young, mm-hmm. you said that you was going to go to Duke. I sure going to play basketball. Yeah, I sure did. This is when this is when I was you know, I was listening to Batway. I'm like, okay, the young boy about to go to Duke? I was I like, okay. Bad. But, but then what happened, though? Just – I think it was one. Obviously, you're dumb famous, so you uh, you can't really go to Duke, and then yeah. you didn't really you didn't really get the heights you needed. To yeah, you got yeah. That's the problem. See, like <laughs> when I would be at home, I be you'd be watching stuff on TV. It looked like average size ple- people until yeah. you meet people in person. And you like damn, I didn't know you was this tall. And it's like okay, you know what? Nah, 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 nah. Let me fall back. This, this ain't really let me spit these yeah, bars. Yeah, and let me go TV. on this. Yeah, let me go get on this acting tip. And uh, let me leave all the, you know, athletic stuff to, you know, the athletes that do it for real. But you still got a love for basketball. Love That's basketball. your passion, That's though. my passion. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's your team and who's your favorite player right now? Um, My team in ball, don't have a favorite team in NBA. Okay. NBA is different for me. I just respect the game. I love players. Um, so Talking I, like a true hooper. Yeah. So I believe this year, um, I'm just a loyal dude. So my, my man Lou Will, he was a sixth man last year for the Raptors. He's now out here in L.A. LA yeah. Caught that 20-piece real quick, 23-piece. My, my bad, Lou. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Don't Slide him on his chain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so now we gotta just go hard for the homies. So I'm all about rooting for my boys. You know. Yeah. My friends, guys yeah. that, you know, if, if not in season, we hang out, we vacate together. You yeah. come over my crib, we chill, we nice. barbecue. Just real loyalty yeah. stuff, and I just support my boys. And, so. and loose bit too, right? He, yeah, 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 he, he does. Yeah, 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 he does. He That's does. what's up. And uh, James Harden, one, one of your guys, yeah, one yeah. of your favorite players? Jay Hard. Yeah, I'm always giving him a hard time. <laughs> That's my guy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can dig it, man. So so we, we talking about Lou Williams, and you talked about Odell Beckham. Um, you know, and specifically on Odell's career, yeah. how everything has hit him at once. It seemed like yeah. after that catch, even though he was making plays before yeah. that catch, after that catch, the world just opened itself up to him. Yeah. As a young guy, you know, yeah. dumb money, yep. famous, yep. women want you, people want you, yep. everybody pulling at you. You help, you you handled that. Yeah. But you handled that at a young age, though. Right. These dudes is 21, 22, 23, yeah. 24. Yeah. You was dealing with that 
before you hit 10. Yeah, I like, think it's better that way, though. It's better that way, that the way you handled it? Yeah, 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 to, to catch it early, you know, because you're still a kid. Mm. So when they told me, like, you know, you sold three million records, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? You didn't know the gravity of it? I don't it. care. Like, yeah. I just want to, like, where's the free Jordans? I don't care. Like, I don't Listen, care. Child, <laughs> you, know? you, you, you saying it's easy, though, but, like, Dog, like I, I made, I made some M's, right? I, I'm yeah. doing okay, and that got to my head. You was a preteen. Yeah, that didn't phase me. One of the most recognizable people in the world. You can't tell me that's easy to didn't deal with, though. Me. Didn't phase me. I was having more fun with the fans and just getting free clothes. You know, I was like, <laughs> I get free video games and free clothes. They're like, nah, but you're nominated for this award. Why? I don't care. Uh, like, where, where my mecca and I my fubu the, outfits? Yeah, I want at. my clothes. You know, so. Yeah. That those type of things help me to this day to be as humble as I am and still be down earth because those things never phased me. It never phased me to where I couldn't imagine mm. going from five and not being, you know, discovered, and then you put three men a three million dollar check in my hand at mm. twenty one, yeah. and I never had it. Facts. I'm definitely gonna blow the whole three million. Like right. I'm just being honest. Like I'm just being. I'm not gonna know how to act. You know. So yeah. I, I gradually learned how to how, how to you know handle it and handle it and handle it and having guys like Snoop and Jermaine Dupree and them guys in my corner to coach me and guide me it just added an extra little it was like a cheat code to it was a cheat it was code. a cheat code to That's learn from up. guys who's been doing it to lay it down for me to not make mistakes see see I feel you man like when I was in Minnesota I did all right you know I made like a little over a million dollars over three years right and then Seattle gave me a decent deal they handed me a check for four million dollars I signed up on it so I'm like this is crazy like I always been a dude I'm just another guy that just happened to make it, right? Right. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that the league was able to pay me as much as they did, right. and I'm able to take care of a lot of people. And once they gave me that check, you know, the government took a little oh, bit. Oh, you know, they got to get their yeah. yeah, they got to get It was 2.4 when it was all <laughs> So I'm looking at this joint, 2.4. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. This is cr – and I'm a grown man. Right. So, like, you're saying you had a cheat code. You're saying that you had people in your corner that didn't phase you. But at some point – did it hit you? Like, was it when you got older? When did it hit you when you were like, yo, like, I'm really one of the most recognizable people in the world? Like, has it, come on, it had to hit you. I, I get it. You humble, bro. I get it. You know what's so crazy? I, I get it. I, I think because I'm me, I don't see what everybody else see because I'm in this skin every day. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's weird to, That's what's to up, an though. extent. It's like, to this day, I still, like, I walk in Madison Square Garden sometimes. Like, if I go to, like, a Nick game and I look up and I'm like, I can't believe I actually sold this out six times. That's crazy. Like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, nah, no way. I didn't do that. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like, was this supposed to happen or was this not supposed to? I, I don't know. It's just so, it's so weird to me. So, I never really sit back and really think about it like that. But certain stuff would hit me and I'm like, I just can't believe I did that. Like, I did that. Hey, you just crazy. said something that's pretty deep. And I think that a lot of players, athletes in general, should hear that. Uh, you said, you know, I don't see what everybody else sees because yeah. I'm in the skin every day. Every like for day. a guy that's dealing with life, you know, and they got the whole world in front of them, you can say that to them, and it'll hit them. That just hit me. Yeah. Like they don't don't see what everybody else see. Yeah, you don't see because you in your skin every day. Regardless. I don't see it. Yeah, it's like when I'm doing something, they call cut, and they're like, "Yo, you killed that." And the first thing I say is, "You sure you like that? You you want to take one more take?" No, 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 no. That was amazing. I know. I but to me, I'm like, man, I ain't feel good. I want more take. But if you like it, I trust your judgment because I'm me. Right. I'm not watching me. Mm. So I don't know what you, you know, right. you saw something. I trust your judgment. Facts. You're the director. You're the head coach. Facts. I'm going to rock with you. Facts. So let's let's play ball. Let's do it. 100%. So That's what's yeah. up, man. Hey, 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 DJ TD, man, let me get a little, little something before we get to this next subject. Cause we gotta keep the music in here, man. We gotta keep the music going. Mm, I'm digging that. Hey, I'm going off script, man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not messing with none of this. <laughs> <laughs> listen, we got shot in the house, man. Hey, yeah. listen. So let's let's talk about music. Let's do it. Like recently, um, th there was an announcement that you was linking back up with JD, and y'all yeah. dropped a little something, man. Y'all um, had the little video on yeah, the boat. Yeah. And on the yacht. So I'm, I'm I'm, like, yo. Hey, my bad. Yacht, not boat. No, no, nah, nah, same thing. I, you know, I ain't got no yacht in there. Same now, thing. So I get them confused. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, yo. I, I remember texting my boy. I'm like, yo, Bow Wow got some heat. Appreciate it. He got some heat coming. And that's Jermaine's record, by the way. That's Jermaine's that's record. That's Jermaine's record. I have yet to drop mine. So that was Jermaine's first look off of his EP project called, mm. uh, it, yeah, called The Love Award. 
That's the name of his uh, actual project. It's going to be fire. Yes, it's crazy. But I know you got some heat, though. I definitely do. I remember you doing a sit-down. You had a little video. You was talking to the fans. You was talking about Mm -hmm. the whole Young Money thing. And you was like, it was a business decision. Like, me and Birdman, the family, we all cool. It's all love. We just, you know, needed to go, you know, our separate ways right now. Mm -hmm. And I... I've had heat. You you were basically saying like I've had heat, and right. I I wasn't I wasn't able to let it out. Right. And I'm I'm listening to it. I'm like glued into the screen. Like, oh, what, like what you got in the vault, bro? It's a lot. Like, you got a lot in the vault. Yeah. You've been sitting on a lot. Yeah. Before we um started the interview, when my phone rang, when I said oh, I gotta call you right Eli. Back. Yeah, that was that's Puff's like right hand. He's like, I'm gonna guy. call you right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it could be a situation, situation. where you know a management type of deal that's great go down between myself, Puff, and um. You know, it, it's some some spectacular is going to happen within like the next couple of days with me, and it, and it needs to. Like I said, because I got so much work, I got so many record songs with Wiz Khalifa, songs with um man, you name it, everybody. I mean, just about everybody. And these are songs that I've been doing since I was on Cash Money. So I got verses. Me and Wiz and Juicy J have a song together. Um, we did this song three and a half years ago, mm. but to this day, it still sounds spanking brand new is fresh and it's still relevant to what's going on today Thanks. so it's I have like a hundred songs like that that just sitting just sitting that's crazy hey, you know what's sitting. crazy you yeah. know you know, just like I know I'm, I'm just a fan you know what I'm saying but I, I really breathe hip hop I, I love that so oh, sorry TD my bad I'm cussing it's real we, uh, yeah. it's a real conversation we it, forgot it the real. cameras and the lights is on and all of that <laughs> right now but uh, hip hop is I, I feel like it's unforgiving like when you mm-hmm. Like, if you leave for a long time mm-hmm. and you try to come back, it's almost like, bro, you was going too long. And, and yep. a perfect example for me is Nelly. Like, Nelly was on fire. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, you know Nelly. what? I'm about to do this TV thing. I'm about to do this movie thing. And he came back. And hip-hop was kind of like, I don't know, Nelly. I don't know. We got a, we got a couple casters in your lane. Yeah. We good on you. And I was kind of mad because, like, yeah. how you going to turn your back on one dude that gave you hit after hit after hit? That's true. I, my point is, it's not like that with you. Like, it, yeah. hip-hop, like, it's almost like, They've been waiting. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, when is when, when is you about gonna to bring it? A, when we going to bring us something back? Like, yeah. hip-hop ain't never turned their back on you and was like, we forgot about you. It's almost like, okay, we see you doing what you're doing. We right. see you doing TV, movies, right. liquor. We see you doing it. Right. But when's the music coming back? Exactly. exactly. So so for you, is it is it TV or is it music? Is it both? Is it hard to juggle? Is it is it, is it a stress to bring the music to us? Like, I, yeah, I want to know. It's um, me being comfortable. I, you know, I keep it a buck all the time. I'm like, you know, just so comfortable being on set, so comfortable waking up with a set schedule, so comfortable knowing what I'm doing next Friday, mm. as opposed to the music business where I wake up. We don't know what's going on. Mm. There's no type of set schedule, mm. no nothing. Mm. Uh, no dates, no releases. No, they don't no. teach you nothing. There's no challenge. I feel like when people say, my fans like, yo, bad when you go put out the music, it's been a long time. I say, well, it's just too easy. That's why. I've been rapping since five, and I break it down like this. I've been rapping since five. I'm 28, mm. right? So let's say 15 years. That's 20. 15 years, somebody's whole entire career. Facts. If, I, if you play 15, 16 years in the NFL, it's time to, it's time to move on to commentating. Right. It's time to move on to something different. Right. So that's kind of how my breakdown was. It was just backwards because I started young. 15 years later, Facts. I'm still young. Facts. So it was like, you're supposed to keep doing it, keep doing it. And then to me, I'm like, well, if I came in the game at 21, it wouldn't be cool for me to be 36 rapping no more about what I was rapping about That's when facts. I was 21. It's time to move on and milk. I milk this cow. It's time to go yeah. ahead and get some Emmys, put some Oscars next to these platinum plaques, yeah. and yeah. show them that I got the whole, you know, the whole the thing. Whole so I have my days where, you know, I get, I, I want to put out stuff, or I want to do this, but then I'm like, you know what? Nah, not right now. I'm very strategic, you know. But as of right now, it's that the acting thing is just. That's what everybody wants to get into. I was just with Fab the other day. We was having lunch, Fab, me and Fabulous, and he told me, um, how you like that acting thing? I'm really trying to get into that. Yeah. You know, but yeah. not knowing his fans probably don't know, he really wants to cross over and do right. what I'm doing. Right. right. But just don't know how. It's that hard. I like a challenge. Yeah. I love waking up in the morning having them butterflies like, you got to bring it. If not, it's a hundred people on set. You're going to, if you mm. mess up on your lines, you're going to, mm. I love having that pressure on mm. me. When I get the when I get the mic and go on stage, it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. next, well, whatever. I feel you, I feel you, you know, on that. I like a challenge. I, I can dig it. You, you talked about you know the collaborations that you got on deck, yeah. stuff that you you got just in the vault, stuff that you're probably possibly going to do. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, your your best collabs mm-hmm. in your opinion okay. over your career, and then after that, I want to know 
I'm gonna put you on the spot. I need that top five. I okay. Need top five. My top. Five. Okay, cool. Um, my best collabs, off top, I gotta go. Uh, me and Amari, I got a classic with "Let Me Hold You." Yeah. The Vandross sample. Fire. Uh, me and the boy Chris Brown. <laughs> we got a uh, fire number one record together. We did two. Well, one number one record in the top five record. When I ain't thinking about you. That was um, fire. Me and Sierra liked you. That was huge. That was the number one record. Gotta say, me and T Pain when we click, it, it pops too. I got it's weird with certain artists when you click with other artists, you, you know it's it, it's it work meshes. Yeah, it meshes right out of my system. That was a, a good one. And then probably one of my best verses that I've that I've done to date that I would say on the record was, oh, I think they like me remix myself, mm. Jermaine and, mm. Brad, and Franchise Boys. <laughs> hey. That was definitely like probably one of my top. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like verse wise, and yeah, I, like I worked with I've worked with everybody from Destiny's Child. I worked with um so many people, man. Yeah. Like. So many people I had a chance. I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of well, people. Well, give, give me your top five hip-hop In artists. order? Or nah, just, I ain't going to put that just, pressure right, on you. Right, cool, cool, I ain't going to put that pressure on you. I like the pressure, though. So you well, know. you know what? Give me that in, in order, number, then. In Let's number, talk about it. Okay, Let's here we go. Let's talk about it. I got to go. Number one, Pac. Um, this is mine right here. Okay, you know I can dig it. Um, number two, got to be my Uncle Snoop. I got to throw Dog in there off top. Facts. Three. Gotta go. See, this is where it gets hard. That's where it gets hard. It's real. I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, you about to jump coast? Is he going to the east? Is he staying in the west? Like, this, I'm listening, bro. Three. Um, this might throw you for a loop. I got to go to GOAT. LL. Oh, I like that. Looked up the LL because like it's kind of like similar career paths. The ladies, him, movies, TV, myself, kind of similar. So I kind of watch L. Love L. Down to two most spots. Mm. I'm gonna throw Biggie on there yeah. only because, like, even I, though his his career path was short, short, right? right? And for me, it was more like I was a West Coast dude. Like Facts. I was running with Death Row and back in the day, so I was heavy West Coast out. It was right. I really wasn't listening to a lot of East Coast right. rap like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just wasn't being honest. Um, and then five to round it off. This is where I'm going to really spin you for a loop. I, I, I'm a hip-hop head. You're not okay. spinning nothing I like. Here. I like him. I like this this guy I'm going to put at five. I like him for, um, number one, the girls loved him. His wordplay was crazy. And he was fresh. And that's special ed. Woo. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. How's special ed? I, that's good. I got that's it, man. Throw me for a loop. I got, nah, I got it, man. I got and I it, wish man. I, uh, and I I'm like Nas. Man. I wish I had six. I wish I had six. I got to throw Nas on there. Nas, yeah. Yeah, Nas is, yeah, I like Nas. Nas, one of the best storytellers of all time. Uh, of course. He had that crazy track, man, uh, the joint on the uh, Nostradamus album. That yeah, Nas was, was uh, hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's talk about let's talk about TV. Let's do it. Let's talk about uh, CSI, Cyber. Let's do it. Brody Nelson. Yeah. Um, that's that's the next evolution of what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Still got movies on deck. Oh, yeah. Still time. doing that. I know you're reading scripts probably on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but but talk about this show and, and and what you like about it going into season two, right? October yeah, season 4th. two. Yeah, the fourth man. Right. Um, yeah. What I like about this season better than last season is the fact that I get a chance to be more of myself. Um, even down from the clothes that I'm wearing. This season. Yeah. Last season I wore a lot of suits and vests and ties and stuff, and this season is excuse me. This season is more of you know, Zara. You know, yeah, sweatsuits, yeah, joggers, yeah. Nikes, kicks, the typical bow I wear. Um, but you still see Nelson though all mm. all day. Uh, we got Ted dancing on the show now, which is a big hit. That's what's We're up. talking about a TV icon, a legend who was on the you know the the original CSI as well. Yeah. He was on Cheers, Cheers. He was on a yeah. whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. So bringing him on board with us, along with Patricia Arquette, Oscar Award winner yep. last year for what she did with Boyhood, it just makes it all just balance out mm. the right way. Mm. And this season we're tackling on just not just the cases, but what happens with these characters. You know the backstories. You know everybody knows you just. You just turn on these shows and you just catch the bad guy and you go home. It's like, what happens once they catch the bad guy? What happens at home? Right. You know, we know uh. people that go to work and work nine to fives, you know, they might have gotten an argument with the wife and they come into work, might have a little attitude. Like, what's going on behind, behind the, scenes? the scenes? And that's what we're giving them. We're giving them the real. And we feel like that's what the people can really relate to. And that's what's going to make this season bigger, better, and better uh, this season. The storylines is Oh, yeah, the storylines are crazy, crazy. That's what's up, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate you joining me, man. Nah, thanks for having me, dog. I'm Nate Brillison. For sure. Shad Moss. Appreciate you. I'm going to say Bow Wow just because I like saying it, bro. It's, it's, good, it's an honor, bro. though. It really appreciate is an honor. I appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, man. DJ TD, let me get something on the way out. On I ain't saying out. you got to spit anything. I ain't going to put that pressure because, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're an actor now. Maybe you're yeah, not I, got my, anymore. I get to just kick back like but this. I know you hear that beat, though. I get to just kick back. That beat kind of fire, though. I thought you was going to bust some 
bars. Geek something. It's not a DJ TD. Can I spit something? All right. Listen, now I just play football by trade. Okay. I'm really a rapper though. All right. All right. I started rapping the same age you started rapping. Okay. Say no more. I'm from Seattle. This is a little something about Seattle. Hey, check me out. <clears throat> hey, yo, this is my city. Feel like this is my city. Football player turned a mini mogul, feeling like Diddy. Yeah, the streets of Seattle. See, I was raised in Skyway. Was sharing clothes with my bros and rocking fashion my way. I hey. say, I made it. <laughs> yeah, I made it. Lying blood under the beeline suit. Yeah, I'm creative. Was a cub with no wall. So passive, so humble. Now I'm a king. Ain't a thing to conquer this jungle. Gotta hunt to survive. So my prey better pray. God bless the lion to feed his pride and stride every day. I got my town on the back. But the weight is a gift. Northwest, yeah. we the best like DJ Khaled and shh. Hey. Hey, let, me, let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop, man. All day. You already know. Yeah. Check up, him man. out. Check yeah. him out. When I get on this call, Puff, I'm going to tell Puff he got to come up here. Damn, man. You you know, let me get on the remix. Yeah. That's I got to say no more. I got you. It's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Hi and hello football fans, your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life.